Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you so much for that. Okay, before I get started and before I honor the moms of the house, I am who I am today, not only because of Jesus and who he is in my life, but because of my precious mama that's sitting up in the top of the bowl. And I am just so honored that she is here this morning. She is 84 years young. And mama, I have some flowers for you. These are just for you. And I know you're up there in the dark and Chuck's gonna bring these to you, but we're gonna hold them up there. But we, I want them, to, y'all gonna bring them up there. And, um, but I just wanna say mom that me and my sisters, we would not be who we are today because of your love, because of the way that you encouraged us. You and Daddy raised us in church to know God from a young age. And I'm so grateful for my precious, precious mommy. And she is just the greatest gift. Anybody that knows her knows how sweet she is. My dad says the fact that he's, she's put up with him, she is a saint. He calls her Saint Betty, and that's her name. But I just want to take this time and honor uh, every mom in this house. Um, it's really hard for me to not just, just to honor the moms that are just birth children, because the most important thing that we can do is to pour ourselves into others and to give of ourselves and to raise up uh, people and other women in our lives and help them think uh, better and think uh, more kingdom-minded and love Jesus and lead Bible studies. And I've got so many women in here that maybe you've never birthed a child but you are a spiritual mama. So not only do I want to honor mamas that have birthed children, and that's been a big task and a big job, but I want to honor the women in this house that also pour in and give back. We just had freedom this weekend. Yes, and so many people were impacted by the women that lead and pour into and give. So no matter what, if you've birthed a baby or you are a spiritual leader, I want you to stand up and we have a gift that we want to give to you. So the ushers are going to come. Let's give our moms a big hand clap. You all look so beautiful today. I love all your colors and your hats and just how adorable you look. Your cowboy boots and cute, cute dresses and just... So y'all stay standing until you get your gifts. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about your gifts. What you're getting is you're getting some cute, rosy-colored glasses. And they're hearts because they're full of love for every one of you. And I want you, as you're, as you're listening to me as you get these gifts, I want you to know that today... That this is a day that the pastors of this church and the leaders in this house, that we just believe that your day is going to be full of just joy and fun 
and honor and whether or not you have somebody that's going to come alongside because maybe some of you are here by yourself and you don't have your children with you, but that you will so feel the love of God that he has for every one of you, that it'll be this rosy kind of day and, uh, and that you will feel encouraged because not only did you come to the house of God, but you know how much God loves you. And so I put a scripture inside of your glasses and I want to read it to you. I don't want to tell you the meaning behind this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.9. The Apostle Paul made a statement. And I cannot tell you, but through the years, we have been thrilled and people that have gone before us have been thrilled by this scripture. Aren't those just those certain scriptures in the Bible that you just like, I love that scripture. I'm going to stand on that. Jeremiah 29, 11, For God know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a great hope and a future. And we just have those scriptures that we love. Well, this is one of those. And it says, but it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And you know what? The Apostle Paul took that scripture from Isaiah. So we got to look back into Isaiah and see what Isaiah says, because that's where the Apostle Paul got his verse. And it says, for since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. Isaiah 64, 4. Do you see what that says? A God who works for you, he's working for you. If you wait on him, he's working for you. You see, this was addressed to the church of Corinth because they were just going on worldly wisdom to deal with the problems of the church. And so they were valuing worldly intelligence and philosophy above Christ, the Christian message. So that's why this scripture was, was written. Now we have this whole series on life-osophy. But you know what? There's nothing. And we're going to tell you, and Josh has told you about, you know, several different Stoics and just amazing philosophers and all of that. But there's nothing more important than Jesus, who is the greatest philosopher of all time. Amen? And so I want you to know, ladies, how much God values you. And I want to help you establish your mom lifeosophy, okay? So this is for the men too. You can take whatever you want. It doesn't matter if it's a Mother's Day message. It's for everyone. So I want you to know that God's thoughts towards you are higher. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. That's in Isaiah 55. You see, when life doesn't go according to how we want it to go. And how many of you know, your life is not all of our lives. You may think that my life is gone according to how I've wanted it to go. But you know what? In life, we face trials, we face struggles, we face tough times. So none of us, our lives go according to plan. But in spite of all that, God's plans and his ways are higher. Because you know why? We look at the character of God and who he is. When we don't understand 
what's going on in our life, why things happen the way that they do, why we lose a mom or why we've lost a child or why we can't conceive, all those things. We look at the character of who God is, not about the circumstances, not about the things that we face because we live in a real and a fallen world and things just happen in our life because there is an enemy who roams around seeking whom he may devour. And that's what we know. And so there will be things that, that happen in all of our lives. But what we know is we serve an awesome God. And he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And he is supremely good. Well, you know, you saw these glasses that I have up here. And if you've ever been to the ophthalmologist, there's a lot to take in when you go. You've got all these machines. They're looking at your eyes. You know, there's lenses. They've got bifocals and trifocals and progressive lenses. And they've got single vision lenses and on and on. You can, I looked that up and there's just so many more. And it's like, you don't even want to know all the different lenses to help us to be able to see better. And so we're grateful for that. And then not only that, when you go, there's also all these frames that you get to pick from. Well, I want you to see these lenses and these frames that are up here, and I want them to represent kind of the seasons of life and the way that we view the world. Now, I love, I don't know about you, but I love people that are sprinkles and rainbows. Everything is just life is good. And, you know, they see life that the glass is, is half full and not half empty. Don't you love being around people like that? It's just fun. And, and you know, some people can get irritated with people like that, you know, because like, why are you so happy? You shouldn't be that happy. But, you know, all of us, need friends like that because it encourages us. It speaks life to us. And then also we have seasons of our life. So I love the spring. I love the summer. I love the sunshine. And so we can see our world through happiness, through joy. We can see our world through sunshine and summer. But what we know there's all kinds of seasons. There is winter that comes and there is fall that comes. And then here's another frame of the way that we can see the world. We can see the world through our struggles, through our hard times, through God, why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen? Because I'm facing a tough time right now and life is hard and I don't like where my life is. We can frame and see our lives that way. We can also, in this year of 2022, we are all in a different place, aren't we? Is it crazy where our world is? We're never more divided. Churches are divided. People's views and perspective about should we wear a mask, should we not wear a mask? People's fears are on the rise. I mean, just the way we think about life. You know, just so many things because of the way that we or the who we listen to, what news stations we listen to can frame our world and make us think differently than our, maybe our sister or brother or even other family members think. And then these crazy glasses here. These are the glasses that I really don't like the most because these are glasses of judgment. Glass, glasses that judge. I see the world and I judge you for who you are. I judge you because you're not acting like I act. You're not talking like I talk. And you know what's really sad to me? Is the judgment that we have of other believers. 
other churches, other leaders, that we think that God set us up as high priests, as judge above everybody else. How is it that you are all knowing and that you know how to interpret the scripture better than somebody else? That you say that, you know what, I don't believe in this prosperity gospel, but somebody else believes in a prosperity gospel. That somebody else says that, says a scripture and doesn't interpret the way you would interpret it. So are we supposed to be on social media and get our podcast going and say shame on that pastor and shame on that person? And then before long, we're listening to all this garbage and the way we're viewing the world is through a negative lens, judging others. How about we look at the fruit of other people's lives? What about a church that maybe I don't totally agree with every way that the pastor is, but you know what I say? Look at the people's lives that have been impacted. Look at the transformation that's happened in their lives. That I'm not going to set myself up as judge and jury over whether that pastor is saying everything right. Or maybe whether a friend or whoever. Because you know what? Why don't we just put on these glasses like I gave you? Glasses of love. Glasses of encouragement. Glasses of mercy. Glasses of grace. I think these are the glasses that Jesus would wear. And you know what? But we can frame our world that way with all these other thoughts. And everybody that tells us how we need to think. And before long, we're not even thinking what the Word of God says because we don't know anymore about what the Word of God does say because we're listening to everybody else's interpretation of the Word and not learning it for ourselves. But when I think about people's lives and I just evaluate where they are and I say, who am I to judge? Because you know what? Some people come from a place that they've been physically and emotionally abused. Do you think their lens is going to a little bit look different than my lens? What about people that have come from a place of brokenness or from divorce? Their lens is going to look a little bit different. So should we extend some mercy and grace? You know, we talked about how we had freedom this last weekend. We don't know everybody's stories. And that's what's so powerful about when we do this and we have this freedom class that you go through. And then you have this big celebration in the end. And you know what's so powerful is that you hear other people's stories. That you see them standing on the, the stage and you go, man, they got it all together. They've never experienced anything. They've never been where I've been. And we begin to decide what somebody has been and what somebody has not been. And then you hear about the people on the stage that have been through a lot of brokenness. It gives you mercy and grace. And it helps you think about yourself that, you know what? Maybe God has a plan for my life. Maybe God has great things for me if he's done it for you. And now you're standing on a stage telling everybody, revealing the shame that's been in your life. And now you're letting everybody know so they can be free. I love that women and men have stood on this stage and helped other people get free. Not with judgment and not condemnation, but you know what you say, you know what, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. You see, we all have different lenses, different shades. Some people came from a a family, maybe there was lack of intimacy, there was lack of love, lack of resources, lack of acceptance. Well, your lens is going to look a little different. 
Have you ever heard the saying, you can't understand someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes? And that is just so true. None of us know people's history, people's background. So to live our lives framing our world with all these crazy frames, it's totally understandable. We, we, yes, we live in a world and we're going to do that. But we have to do everything we can to say, I don't want to... To listen to that. I'm not going to adopt that. I want to change the way I see my friends. I want to change the way that I see the world. So there are shades we choose and there are shades that are chosen for us. So maybe you've had hard times and that wasn't chosen for you. You didn't choose that. But then you want to choose the sunshine and the rainbows. So we put these two together. A lot of times it's conflicting because we have different things that are chosen for us, right, in our lives. So what we have to do is we have to establish core values in our life so we know when things are in conflict, when you've been, maybe a home you've been raised in is different than the home you want to raise your children in and there's conflict, well, you've got to establish these core values so you know what you want to believe as a family and what you want to stand on and this is who we are and this is what we believe because everyone has a different set of values and beliefs and so it's important for us to know what is our worldview, the way that we see, see things, on the back screen there, you're going to see that some of your worldview is based on your belief about human beings and their place in the world. Some of your beliefs are your religious beliefs about life and death, your beliefs and opinions about groups and societies, your value judgment about what is worthwhile and important, your beliefs how human beings should act, opinions about what is positive or negative, right or wrong, your belief in all human beings are not equal or not? Do you believe the world was made by a creator? And so many more thoughts. I think we can begin to understand that how we see or what we see and what we believe to be true will affect the way that we act. It will affect the way that we interpret the world. And it will also affect the way that we define our mom lifeosophy. So I want you to see that we need to spend our lives speaking the truth. This is how we need to frame our world. If it's not in this word, if it's not an, a life principle that you can take from here that's good, then you know what? Don't adopt that in your life. Learn the life lessons from the people that have gone before us. And the, there's negative stories. There's things that people have done that you can say, I'm going to learn my life lesson in this book. You see, because the Bible has been given to us by God and it's been inspired by, into people. People have been inspired by this. God spoke into people. And you know what? It's lasted the test of time. I mean, look how many years this Bible has been around. And so this is how we need to view. This is the lens we need to view our world. So the best way to develop your mom, mom lifeosophy is the great book called the Bible. It's taking the words of this book and putting them into practice. Why should we live a philosophy of life? Because philosophy is the love of wisdom. Pastor Josh has shared this from the beginning of this series. But if we're going to define what, the, what wisdom is, we've got to look at the word. What does it say in Psalms 111.10 and also Proverbs 9.10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Notice wisdom is connected with the fear of the Lord. 
the implication is that without fear of the Lord, there is no true wisdom. So we need to walk in that. Not scared that, oh, God's going to zap me and he's going to, you know, do something to me. But God, I fear you enough that I want to walk in your ways. And I want to do what you have called me to do. So I fear you enough because I know that my life is yours. So the philosophy is not just the love of wisdom, but it is deciding how to live. We all get to decide how to live our lives. So I want to give you the think, be, and the do of your mom philosophy, life-osophy. Think, very first one, is think your life matters. Because you know what? Your life does matter. When you know your life matters, you will find reasons to believe that your actions matter. Because when you know your life matters, and then you know, then you'll know your actions matter. So what you do is important. So I think about servant leaders in this house. I think about how they come in here and they serve our children. Do you know that if they didn't think their life mattered, if they didn't think that it was important that they made an impact in the next generation, they wouldn't be serving your children. They wouldn't be loving on your babies. But they understand that their actions matter. All the way from the men and the women in the parking lot. They understand their life matters. So they understand that their actions matter when they wave that flag. You know why? Because it represents, let the miracles begin when you come into this parking lot. We are praying for you. We are standing with you. We are believing God for what you're believing God for. So I'm grateful for servant leaders that understand their life matters. And they understand their actions matter. So we have to fully live out this idea that our actions matter and there are no limits to what is possible. I mean, truly think about that. If you really realize how much your actions matter, it's just limitless what your life could look like. So on some level, we wonder if our lives are accomplishing all that it could or that it should. I want to encourage you this morning by going to one of the most obscure places and persons in the Bible. Her life was marked with tremendous adversity. She wondered why God put her on the earth and gave her such a tremendous load to carry. She wondered if her life really mattered. Her name is Leah, and her story is told from Genesis 29 to Genesis 49. Now, I'm not going to read all that to you, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you her story because it really is amazing. And you know what's even more amazing about it is that her legacy plays out all the way to the book of Revelations. So she's all throughout the Bible and her legacy lives on all the way to the book of Revelations. Pretty amazing. So um, when we look at Leah's life, um, I suppose that all of us do not get all that we want in life, just like Leah. She certainly did not. Her name in Hebrew, which back then is very significant when they named their children, they gave them specific names based on either how they looked or based on a character, based on a struggle that maybe they were personally going through. So it's so sad, but in Genesis 29, 17, let's look what it says. It says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. So Already they're saying that she's obviously ugly in outward appearance. Maybe her eyes were, you know, not the brightest eyes or she couldn't see or, you know, whatever about her. But it was, definitely wasn't a positive. Well, Rachel was the younger sister. And you know what? It's already stated there that she was beautiful. 
And uh, so we tend to do the same thing with ourselves, don't we? We compare ourselves to other people. Women, we're the hardest on ourselves. We compare ourselves. We look at someone else is more attractive. Somebody else is more charismatic. Or maybe their children. Look how well behaved their children are. They're so much better behaved. Look, they make more money than I make. They have more favor on their life. Look at all the favor. Look at all the blessings that's come their way. They have greater health. Than, than I have. We have all these comparisons that we make. And that's exactly what the place that Leah was in. She, did, she had a beautiful younger sister. And so what happened is that Rachel was love at first sight for Jacob. Jacob was, oh, he loved Rachel. She was beautiful. So he said to, to Laban, he said, hey, uh, I want to marry your daughter. And so Laban said, well, hang on. Got seven years. You got to work for me for seven years. And after the seven years, then you can have Rachel. So on the wedding night, he's so excited. He cannot wait to marry Rachel. So the tent, it's dark. You know, they didn't have electricity back then. It was dark. She was heavily veiled. She is in the tent. She's, they've had a wonderful night together. And then all of a sudden, it says in Genesis 29, 25, when morning came, there was Leah. What? Where is Rachel? His father, his father-in-law tricked him. Well, you have to know the backstory with him, with Jacob. Jacob had tricked his brother for his birthright. And so he tricked him with a bowl of soup. So he got what was coming to him. We don't see that in the scripture, but when we look back at Jacob's life, he tricked his own brother for his birthright. And now later in life, his father-in-law-to-be and his uncle tricked him and now all of a sudden he's married to Leah he's like this is not right you gave me this ugly one she's got weak eyes I wanted Rachel and he says Jacob married Rachel and the text says Jacob lay with Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah so not only did she feel rejected but he loved Rachel more than he loved her. She knew this. So I picture Leah knowing she was not wanted by Jacob, that she was hurt, she was shamed, she was embarrassed. Can you imagine as a woman, you know, you're, you're with this man and you've just, you know, been with him for the night and all of a sudden he doesn't want to be with you. You know, she's embarrassed. I mean, she's suffering the pain that her father put her through this, made her marry this man that he didn't want her, that wanted her sister, that she felt some type of rejection. You see, the circumstances in Leah's life were not, she was not in control of. Her looks were against her. Her younger sister was more captivating. Her husband had sex with her but did not love her. You may say, what kind of Mother's Day message is this, Pastor Sheila? This is getting a little crazy. Listen, it gets even better. Wait. So after Rachel and Jacob married, Rachel was infertile. So Jacob turned to Leah and Leah became pregnant with a boy and named him Reuben. 
His name means behold a son. Because, you know, maybe now that he's that Jacob's going to love me because I've given him a son. So behold a son. She names him that because that's what his name means. That's what Reuben means. So in Genesis 29, 32, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. So then she has a second son. Her second son's name is Simeon. And that name means heard because in Genesis 29, 33, it says, because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. Well, he still does not love her. She has a fourth son or a third son. His name is Levi. Levi means attached. We see in the word of God in Genesis 29, 34. Now the Lord has become attached to me because I have bore him three sons. By the time her fourth son has been born, she seems to have given up on Jacob, loving her. So she names the boy Judah. Do you know what Judah means? Judah means in Genesis 29, 35, this time I will praise the Lord. So you must not only think that your life matters, but you must be faithful. So in spite of what she experienced, in spite of the rejection, in spite of the pain, in spite of just what, how she felt about how her husband felt about her, she said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to honor him in spite of all of that. You see, Leah's circumstances might have brought her misery and she might have not felt like her life mattered, but her view of God was praise and trust. She stopped focusing on what she lacked and started focusing on what she had already possessed. She was faithful. What about your life? Is there something about your life that you are upset about? Something that your life has not gone the way that you've wanted to go? Have you blamed God for that? Are you saying, God, in spite of it, I know your character. I know who you are. I know you love me. I know you have a great plan for my life. And I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you in the midst of what I see, in the midst of what I don't see. Amen, church? Because you know what? Leah's life, it's easy to be faithful when your children thank you. But it's hard to be faithful when your children disrespect you. We all can relate to that. It's easy to be faithful when your husband appreciates you. It's hard to be faithful when your husband doesn't seem to notice you. It's easy to be faithful when you're recognized for all your hard work. And it's hard to be faithful when you feel underappreciated and that no one recognizes you. It's easy to be faithful when you know you're wanted. It's hard to be faithful when you are being rejected. This is Leah's story. After the fourth son is born to Leah, Rachel is so upset. Now this gets really good. Y'all pay attention. Say, I'm listening. Okay, because it's going to get good here. Rachel is so upset that she gives Jacob her, Jacob, her servant, Billa. Two sons are born, Dan and Naphtali. And not to be undone, Leah's womb, who God had now closed, is open again. And through Leah's servant, Zilpah, to who two more are born, Gad and Asher. 
This is beginning to sound like a modern day reality show from all these servants that these they're given to have sex with, to have more babies. Like what? This is in the Bible, you guys. This is juicy. You didn't think the Bible was exciting and fun? I mean, look at this. Then God opens Leah's womb and bears two more sons, Iskar and Zebulun and a daughter Dinah. Finally, Rachel has Joseph, and Rachel dies in Bethlehem, bearing the fourth son, Benjamin, who, guess what? When she dies, guess who's taking care of Benjamin? Leah takes care of Rachel's son. So Leah outlives Rachel and was buried in the cave of Machpelah. It was at that cave that Abraham and Sarah are buried. Now, this is very special that she got to be born in this cave where Abraham and Sarah are and where Isaac and Rebekah are. Because at the end of her life, when they ask um, Jacob where he wanted to be buried and where he wanted Rachel to be buried, Rachel was not buried in the cave where you've got Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah. But he was born in that same, or he was buried in that same cave. And Leah was buried with Jacob, not Rachel. So Leah has won Jacob's love in the end. But you know what's really kind of sad? Is that she didn't know that. She did not know that she had won his love. We can look at Leah's life and think, what an unfortunate life. So many people were unfair to her. Her father forced her into marriage. Her sister resented her. Her husband did not begin to love her until it was too late. Yet Leah's story teaches us that the effect of your life cannot be measured in the time span of the few decades that you have here on this earth. I hope you guys get this. This is Leah's story and this is our story. Our lives can be not be measured by the time we have here on this earth. You are leaving a legacy. You are making an impact that you can't even see and just like Leah could not see. God is weaving your story into a longer and a bigger tapestry that you cannot see or do you know. This is what Leah did not know. So this is what I really want you to listen to. This is so powerful and so good. The priestly line comes from the line of Levi's, of, of Levi's, Leah's third son. From that line comes Moses, comes Aaron, and comes Miriam. Without Leah, there's no Levi. And there's no first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There are no Ten Commandments. There's no exodus from Egypt. Leah's descendants, Caleb, was only one of two that entered the promised land of Canaan after Israel had wandered in the desert for 40 years. And at the age of 85, Caleb said, this is what he said in Joshua 14, 11, and 12. Pastor Keith's getting excited. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me. He was 85 years old. I'm hoping that you're saying the same thing. Give us this country. Give us this city. Give us this community. Give us this church. Do I have some mighty men? Do I have some warrior women in this house that's saying, I am willing to not let this frame my world and the way that I see the life that I live? God 
God has so many great things for my life and he wants to use me in spite of my brokenness, in spite of my pain, in spite of what I don't see. God wants you to stand up, to rise up and to take your place just like Caleb did. He was 85 years old. He didn't grow weary. He said, I can take this land. Never give up. That's what, how Caleb's spirit was. Never give up. Never give in. And sit down in self-pity and resignation or defeat. And that was the same spirit as Leah. Another descendant of Leah was Boaz. Boaz became the great-grandfather of David. And on that day that Boaz redeems Ruth for his bride, the elders say to him in Ruth 4.11, now this is the last mention of Leah in the Bible here. And it says, May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. It was Leah who did more to build the house of Israel than Rachel did. But he's making a comparison and he's saying that my prayer for you is that Boaz, the woman you take as your wife, that she will carry that same spirit as Rachel and Leah. You see, it was Leah's fourth son, Judah, who became the king, who became the ancestor of King David and King Solomon. Without Leah, there's no Judah. Without Judah, there's no Boaz, no David. And without David, there's no Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Also, we do not have the Psalms, the Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, no Ecclesiastes. We don't have the key players of the Christmas story, which is Jesus and Mary and all of them. <laughs> they all derive from Leah, Mary and Joseph along to Judah, the fourth son, Elizabeth and Zechariah along to belong to Levi, the third son, and so many more. I could go on and on and on. Can you believe this is all descendants from the life of Leah who had brokenness and loss and pain and rejection? And if that is true of Leah's life, moms, that is true of your life. You cannot measure the impact of Leah's life within her earthly time span. And you cannot measure your own life that way either. You cannot measure your life by outward appearance like Leah. Either God looks deeper. He looks deeper than the outward appearance. What we can take away from her story is you need time, you need distance to understand what God is doing through your life. I wrote a book called Live your legacy because I want you to live the legacy you want to leave but not grow weary in your struggles just like Leah. Leah had no idea that the kingly and priestly line would descend from her. More importantly that Jesus would come from her DNA. So we need to think that our lives matter. We need to be faithful and we need to do legacy. And you know what I want to say? I'm so grateful that my mom and dad are here today. They have left me a great legacy. They've been a part of, of just the unbelievable legacy of my family, that they were all missionaries in China. It started with my dad's dad, who was 24 years old when he left and went on a boat and went to China. My grandmother at the time 
she was 34 when she met up with my grandfather, but when she first went to China, she was 26 years of age. She was there for seven years all by herself. She came back home to gather herself, to collect more money, to be able to go back, and that's when she met my grandfather. My grandmother was 34 years of age, and my grandfather was 24 years of age when they met. Well, you know what? You would say that they met because of the proximity that they were in. And so, you know what? Because of that, they married. Now, I'm not sure how much love was there, but they had a passion and a love for Jesus. But they grew just like Leah. They grew. They loved each other. They had three children. My dad was one of those. And then her, uh, his, uh, his brother, which is my uncle, has stood on this stage, has preached the gospel, has been in Israel, has led us on two trips to Israel. This message is because, because of him. I've gleaned from him. And he has his Juris Doctorate and his Doctorate in Theology. And he's just a brilliant man. And, uh, and so... I look at him and I look at the tests that he passed, the struggles that they went through, the legacy that now, the stage that I'm able to stand on because of my dad and my mom and everybody that's gone before them were willing to pass their tests. But you know what? Even my grandfather had no idea that my uncle became the general and superintendent of the Assemblies of God, who is one of the largest second largest denomination in the world. My uncle led that and just three months ago went to be with Jesus. And you know, we all have our stories. We all have our legacy. Maybe your legacy doesn't sound that great, but you know what? You're starting this beautiful legacy for your family. And that's what's so important. So like Leah, we can't see down the road. We can't see through the years that the choices that we make are impacting others. Many of you have young children. Many of you have teenagers. Many of you have grown children. And they're all in different places. And maybe you're struggling with where you are as a mom today. But in the midst of it, God is with you. Yeah. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will walk with you. He'll guide you through where you are today. Just continue to know that your life matters. To be faithful so that you truly can live the legacy that God wants you to leave. Because it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you know that scripture? Trust in the Lord. Say it with me. With all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. So we see this played out through Leah's life. She's living the legacy that she wanted to leave. Not knowing what all that would look like. When I learned this last part. And unbelievable, you're going to see this, how crazy this is about Leah's life. Because her life, even if it just ended there, how fabulous would that be? Knowing that everything that came from Leah's life, but it doesn't end there. We have to get to Revelations. And let me show you, it's in Revelations 21. We learn the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. They're given to the 12 gates of the new Jerusalem. Each gate is made from a single pearl. Do you know how pearls are formed? The formation of a natural pearl begins with the foreign substance that gets inside of that shell. It's like a splinter that gets in and then all of a sudden whatever's on the outside of that shell begins to form on the inside of that shell and it serves as a protection and it becomes this beautiful pearl that we all understand and know. Well, 
at the gates, when we walk through the gates, when we get to heaven, every gate has, is made of one pearl. Can you imagine the gates in heaven? Like, they're not going to be tiny little gates. They're going to be like these big major gates. So one pearl is made of, on every gate. That's a, that's a massive pearl. So an angel will be stationed at each of these gates. This is what it says in the Word. That are made from a single pearl, and it's through those gates we enter heaven. And Leah's kids, listen to this, have their names on half the gates. So someday you and I may be walking through the gate of Reuben, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Levi, the gate of Judah, the gate of Ishkar, and the gate of Zebulun. You see, Leah suffered much through her, her incredible, the irritations that happened in her life. Things she did not ask for, things that she did not understand, but things she did not want. But six of heaven's pearly gates stand as a tribute to the good that emerged from her life. And heaven obviously has some pretty big pearls if gates can be made from a single pearl. Remember, great pearls come out of great pain. Leah's life long of suffering eventually leads to eternal grandeur. Is this a picture for you and I? These, these stories are not just in the Bible, just to be in the Bible to tell a nice little story. There were struggles in Leah's life. There's struggles in your life. So what at the end of your life could possibly your life look like if you are, understand how valuable you are, how valuable you are to God, how much God loves you. You're valuable to Elevate Life Church. You're valuable to this house. That you will stand up, that you will take action in your own life so that you can make a difference wherever you go and leave the legacy God wants you to leave. You see, Leah began her marriage with a husband who didn't love her, but she never stopped loving him. And at the end, he loved her more. But you and I are different in this respect. From one day, the Lord has always loved you and he will always love you to the very end. So don't let difficulty or sorrow or hardships cause you to stumble. It's so important for us to understand that, but we can. We let the difficulties of life and our hardships and, you know, all of a sudden we see things differently. We start putting on these lenses and we start speaking negative about ourselves. I'm good at that. I'm good at about in my own life. I have to just continue to encourage myself, speak life into myself, put worship scriptures on. Some of us have a more of a propensity to think more negative about our life than we do positive. Some people are just this sprinkles and rainbows and I just want to be that all the time, but I'm just not and I have to work on it. And you may be too, but that's why we have to know what God says about us and come to church and worship God and be with other believers that we can encourage each other and build each other up. So don't let difficulty or sorrow or hardships cause you to stumble. Your life and your ministry have meaning and purpose. All of you are in ministry because we are called to be the church wherever we go. You are ministers of the gospel. Don't fret that right now you can't see the whole picture because God does and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. So what is going to matter in the end? It's the legacy that you pass on. So I want to encourage you today that moms, 
As hard as I know, sometimes Mother's Day is, maybe there's a loss, maybe you've lost your mom and you're not getting to celebrate your mom at 84 years of old and there's a little of age and there's a little sadness in your heart. Or maybe you've never been able to have a child before and you're longing for that. Just in the midst of all that, say, God, you've got a plan for my life. And you know what that is. And I'm going to trust you in the process. And I'm going to understand that my life truly does matter. So what I do matters. And I am going to be faithful to you, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to honor you. So that my legacy will make an impact to every life that I touch. Will you stand up so I can pray for you? Father, Lord, I just thank you for these amazing people in this church, from the moms to the dads to boys and girls and teenagers and whatever stage of life that everyone is in, that, Lord, as they've heard this message, I pray, Lord, that it will speak life to them. Holy Spirit, I love who you are and how you bring life to us and encourage us and speak to each one of us individually. While I spoke this message, it said something different to every person in this room. And that is just how amazing that you are. And I just pray that when every person leaves, no matter what I said from the very beginning to the very end, that Father, Lord, that they will walk out of here and realize how special every one of them are. And that how, God, you have their life planned out. And in the palm of your hands, no matter how difficult it's been, Lord, we're just going to trust you. We're going to believe you that you know what's best. And, Father, I thank you for these amazing moms. May they feel your love. May their family members just encourage them and love them. And even when they go to lunch today, say something kind over them and speak life over them. And say what they've loved about their mom. Father, I just thank you for these amazing, amazing moms that are with us today. And those that are watching online, Lord, I speak a blessing on them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would y'all give Amen. the mother of the house. Come on, y'all. That was an amazing word. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.